And that's why I can't go visit the giraffes at the zoo anymore. See, I don't want to judge you because I'm not here to kink shame. But that is a very strange story you've told me. And I'm kind of looking at you a little differently right now. Oh, hey, everyone. <laughs> welcome, Hi. <laughs> welcome to episode three of Friendly Neighborhood Idiots. I'm Jen, and... That's Jen, and... You're... You're Jen. And you are... You are Jen. And that's Anthony, who cannot seem to remember his name, no matter how hard I try to prompt him to say his own name. He just cannot. Maybe, maybe by next episode. Maybe so. But today, we're here to talk to you about pop culture, of which we know nothing about, and a little movie called The Nice Guys. That is true. The Nice Guys. This was an Anthony pick. Uh, it was his turn to pick the movie, and this is what he picked, so Anthony, tell us what the movie's about. All right, so The Nice Guys is a buddy comedy mystery action noir movie. That is a lot of things for a movie to be. It's got a lot of genres, but it's accurate to say that. Yes, so the movie is about, it takes place in 1970s uh, Hollywood, and it's about uh, uh, Holland Marks, who is a private eye uh, detective played by Ryan Gosling who gets paid to and hired to find a girl named Amelia. And he comes across Jackson Healy, who is a like an enforcer, like a, like a tough guy, like hired hands, played by uh, Russell Crowe, who tries to keep him away from Amelia. But when Russell Crowe learns that other bad dudes are out to find her, he teams up with Holland March to try and find her together. And they learn that she worked on a movie called How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy, a, a porno. <laughs> and they learn that everyone involved with the making of this movie is being killed, and they look into finding her to discover why, and they try to uncover the, the mystery and the conspiracy behind this movie, who's trying to stop it and why. Yes. And I had never seen the movie before, obviously. That is the premise of our show, is one of us hasn't seen the movie before. And I have to say that I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought that it balanced the drama, uh, action, mystery part of it with the comedy very well. And I thought all the jokes, for the most part, were very, like, upscale jokes. Except for the one joke when they're walking through the bar and the comedian makes a fart joke, and I was like, oh, is this where this movie is going? But I was pleasantly surprised that it did not. I like that your entire enthusiasm got derailed by a singular fart joke. Well, because, you know, you hear fart jokes in a certain type of movie, and, like, I'm okay with them being in that certain type of movie, but I was... From where the movie had started, I was kind of hoping it wasn't going in that direction, and then it didn't, so I was okay with the fart joke after the fact. Okay, so you were on the fence about the fart until way later, and I'm going to ask, I don't even remember the joke. I don't remember it either. I but don't, it, it left an impression it, on it. It was just, it was a fart joke. Like, it was like, ah, all these jokes are so sophisticated, uh, and then there's just this fart joke. All right, so we know Jen uh, is big on fart jokes. No, like, I'm okay with them. Like, if it was a movie like Austin Powers or something like that, like, you'd expect a fart joke in that type of movie. But this movie was a little bit more, like, 
This movie Fancy. was too upscale. It was upscale. Yeah, it wasn't. It was a. It was a. A comedy, was- but it wasn't a like a raunchy comedy. This this comedy about two men looking for uh, a porn star who starred in a porn movie was very up up class and very sophisticated and very very. Look, it uh, was uh, though. <laughs> but that one singular joke. That a comedian tells in a comedy club, no less about about I, I, I guess a fart. Was it was Jen was like, oh no, this is a stupid movie. I I was concerned for a minute. I was a little worried, but no, it's true. Like you can have dirty jokes without them needing to be overly like gross and raunchy. Like you can have sophisticated dirty jokes, and I think that that's what this movie, for the most part, did. The fact that the first scene in this movie is a little boy looking at a, a full spread of a porn star and you see it no less like full frontal and then maybe like 20 minutes later someone says a fart joke and you're like oh no this movie's raunchy come on I, you I, know what i'm trying to say <laughs> you don't know what raunchy means that's what i'm that's all i'm getting from it no i'm saying that you would usually find those type of jokes in a raunchy comedy whereas uh, the uh, rest of this movie didn't match that pace all right, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. But I will tell you my favorite joke in the movie. What is your favorite joke in the movie? My favorite joke in the movie is when they go to the big Hollywood party for the, the porn king, Sid Savage, or whatever his name was. Um, the porn king. Not yeah. This raunchy. Not in this, no raunchiness here. But go on about the porn king. And uh, the the daughter, Holland March's daughter, Holly, had followed them to the party in the trunk of the car. And she's sitting with a bunch of porn stars. And the girl turns to her and says, they even did, like, anal and stuff. And the girl goes, don't say in stuff. Just say they did anal. <laughs> Not to circle back. Look... Listen, that joke of the 11-year-old talking about anal sex, that's all high class and well and good. But it wasn't a, it wasn't really a joke about anal. It was a joke about grammar. You see what, <laughs> like, it was smart. It wasn't just thrown in there to say <laughs> anal. It was, it was thrown in there to be a smart joke about Holland trying to teach his daughter better grammar. And she was learning. She just, you know, used it in a so jokes questionable about setting. Bar- the jokes about butts have different like tiers. Absolutely, like, it's like a it's like a cake or an onion. It's just butt jokes. They they go from top tier to like bottom of bottom. the barrel. <laughs> bottom of the barrel. Bottom tier. I have a tattoo on my butt. Oh, and here we go. It has only been how long has it been since you've brought up your butt tattoo? A whole episode. It's been a whole seven minutes since Anthony has brought up the fact that he has a tattoo on his butt. Usually we make it almost through the episode, but today we have not even made it seven minutes. It's true. You know, hit the ground running, why don't you? That's my philosophy. Well, what I want to know is what your favorite joke in the movie is. My favorite joke in this up-class, sophisticated film... My, if I had to pick a favorite joke, if I had to pick a favorite joke, my favorite joke is not to, not to give spoilers away. 
on the on this. I mean, people have had five, five years to see this movie, so if they haven't, they should still check it out. I definitely agree that they should check it out, but they had five years to see it. No spoilers. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go on record and say that every episode we should like put a spoiler warning, like spoiler, like heads up, we're gonna spoil the movie. That's a good idea. We should do that. We should also have a like theme it. song. I don't know what it should be, but we should have like an opening like theme. All right, well, we can work on that. I play in a band, you know. No way, me too. Do you? Yeah. I have my band's initials tattooed on my butt. No way, me too. Spoiler alert, me and Anthony are in the same band, and we got butt tattoos together. If you <laughs> haven't listened to episode one and two, you really should, because we talk about it. It's true, we do, and we'll probably talk about it more uh, another time. But, uh, but, my favorite joke in... <laughs> But <laughs> as you can tell, we are not upscale comedians. And stuff. Now we are. Anyway, so my favorite joke in the movie is they eventually discover that the movie that is is uh, being that the peep that uh, try it again. So my favorite joke in the movie is. Later on in the movie, they discover that the the movie "How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy" is a porno made by uh, independent, uh, you know, the, the porn king Sid Shattuck with the girl Amelia and famous porn star Misty Mountains in conjunction with this local activist group who are trying to spread the word that the car companies in America are you know destroying polluting the environment polluting the air and they're trying to spread the word that the big car companies out of detroit are you know you know they're holding the politicians you know metaphorically hostage like they've got their they're controlling what goes on in in the government like big corporations controlling things not like how things are now not how things are in 22 uh uh america Oh, yeah, no, completely different. There is no control of the government by companies, obviously. Exactly. But when they're talking about the movie and they're talking to Amelia, uh, Russell Carl Ryan Gosling, she tells them how the, the they were going to premiere the, the movie at the big auto show in L.A. To, to put the companies on blast. And Ryan Gosling goes, wait, 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 you made a porno where the point is the plot? That was a great joke. And Ryan Gosling is is the comic relief. I mean, him and Ru Russell Crowe were both funny, but Ryan Gosling is very clear the comic relief, and he's such good lines. I think that my other favorite joke, it, not that it was really a joke, but it was it was more of a plot point. Actually, it was a joke that became a plot point. Was when he's in the car and he's dreaming while he's driving, but he thinks that Russell Crowe has told him he has an ankle gun, and then he dives for the ankle gun that is not there and he's like where'd you put right. it like way later in the movie he goes for it yeah so it like that's circles completely around that's a great callback because at the time when it happens in the movie you you don't realize it's a dream and you think okay this is actually a real conversation and then later on when he grabs russell crowe's ankle and russell crowe's like what what the hell are you doing he's like where's you where's the gun i told you i had an ankle gun that that's a great joke. That's a good callback joke. I love callback jokes. And just the the, the CGI B in the back seat. Yes, this this movie very briefly has a CGI B voiced by Hannibal Burris for about four Whack. seconds. Whack. 
That's how I feel about Hannibal Burris being a landlord. Whack. That's how I feel about Eric Andre pushing NFTs. Whack. Never have heroes, kids. Never have heroes? Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Yeah, NFTs are definitely whack, but that's just my humble opinion. Whack. My humble opinion is whack, or the NFTs are whack? Tomato, tomato. Oh, okay. Well, always good to know. Now, I do have to say that I really am glad that you picked this movie, because I liked it a lot. I liked that it reminded me of, like, the 80s buddy cop comedy Beverly Hills cop. I, it gave me very Eddie Murphy vibes. I've never seen Beverly Hills Cop, so I don't know. What? Oh, we're gonna have to add that to our list. the The original is a classic. I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, all right. I like that this movie about the '70s reminds you about movies from the '80s. Right. I mean, I think decades just honestly repeat themselves. I'm pretty sure Target right now is uh, selling the '90s. So there's that. What? Oh, everything, like, in Target right now is very 90s-themed. Like, the clothing has gone back, like, three decades. Is it? Like, for sure. flannel sh- ripped jeans and things like that? And the, the like, the late 90s, early 2000s, like, the, the stuff that girls would wear that you would see at, like, Justice or The Limited 2 is pretty much, like, the Target wardrobe right now. Right, right. I have such a vivid memory of what Limited 2 looked like in the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm not saying the inside of the store, but I'm sure that you had girls in your class in middle school. You didn't go to an all-boys school. It's true, I didn't, but I wasn't paying attention to what they wore. This is true. I was, I was, too, busy focused, I was too busy focused on my fashion sense. Of which you had very little? One, rude. <laughs> Two, my fashion sense isn't little, it's simple. A t-shirt... And jeans. And dad shoes. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? I've been <laughs> rocking the same style since probably, like, kindergarten. And that would be, like, the New Balance 508s or whatever they are. You know, the the, the dad barbecue shoes. It's true, that's what it is. He makes them work, though. It's okay. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm, vin- I'm retro. I'm vintage. Anthony's been making dad jokes since he's about 10 years old, so it's only fitting. Since about seven years old, honestly. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Hey, hey listen, you were you were already in college when I was seven, so like you. This you is not to- true. <laughs> Stop lying oh. to people about my age. All right, junior year of high school. Relax. No, when you were seven, I was in fifth grade. You thought about it though. That's because I don't math. Anyway, back to the movie. Back to the movie. I was pleasantly surprised with how the movie ended up because I could not, for most of the movie, figure out who the bad guy was. You didn't think the people with guns trying to kill Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, you, th- you thought they were like part of the good guys? No, no, no. I thought, like, okay, so the, the, the bad bad guys, like the, the hitman bad guys, uh, Blueface and, uh, I don't remember his name in the movie, but Keith David... Um, I knew they were bad guys, but who they were working for was more of the the question. By the way, fun fact, since we like to uh we like to bring everything back to shows that we've already talked about, Keith David did a stint on ER. All right, as long as you think that's a fun fact. I do think it's a fun fact because I will always talk about my love of ER, and in our first episode we talked about how Quentin Tarantino had 
directed an episode of ER, so I was just bringing it back. You're right. Let's talk about that. It feels like a long time ago. It was. It was. It was over a month ago. That's Keith a long David time. was also. Keith David also had a recurring role on Community. Interesting. You know, I've never actually watched Community. Community is a show with six seasons, and three of them are good. Okay, good to know. Keith David is not in one of them. Oh no. Well, he was good in this movie, and that's what matters right now because this is what we're talking about. But do you, you do you remember the first time you watched the movie? If you figured out who you thought was behind it all, uh, I don't remember because I saw this movie back in theaters when it first came out in 2016. So I, honest to God, don't remember. I do not remember, and I've seen it many times since. Right, so it kind of so gets blurred I, I together. I, I didn't know I was going to be doing a podcast about it six years later, so like I didn't like have my notepad like in the theater with me ready to go. No, I was just curious if you you know if you remembered or not. Like for a long time during the movie, I thought that Amelia was going to turn out to be the bad guy for most of the movie. I could see why you would think that because she hired somebody to keep uh, March away from her, and then we see her by Sid's body before we know Sid's body is there. She shoots at Holland and, uh, um... Healy. Healy, yes. So, when they do the scene with the elevator and she's going meet whoever, and there's sh shooting going on in the hallway, I really thought that it was going to be her shooting all those guys. I'm guessing we're supposed to assume that it was John Boy? I think once you finish the movie, the assumption is that it was John Boy. Yeah, but for mo until we get to that point where we actually see Matt Bomer, I thought it was Amelia. That was because then right after that is when she jumps out of the window and yeah. lands on the car. For anyone who's never seen this movie, who was completely confused by this last set, last couple sentences that Jen uh, just rattled off, uh, Matt Bomer is the actor who plays John Boy. John Boy is a a hitman hired to come kill Amelia and get rid of uh, uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe's characters. And Amelia, I think I explained, Amelia's the girl that they're looking for. Correct, yes, we did explain that earlier. Nah, nothing wrong with a refresher. Oh, no, yeah. The real kicker for me, though, I guess, spoiler alert, even though this whole movie has now been spoiled, um, <laughs> was when it turns out that John Boy was working for Amelia's mom, who is the head of the Justice Department. That is true. And we meet her, played by Kim Basinger, like halfway through the movie. And the assumption is that she's a good guy because she works with the Department of Justice. And it's not till later that we discover, hey, she's actually actually uh, the villain. I think the only other thing I've ever seen Kim Basinger in, and I know she's been in a gazillion movies. I think the only other thing I've ever seen her in was the, the Batman movie, the 1989 Batman movie where she played Vicki Vale. Yep, that's the only thing I've seen her in. Poor Kim Basinger. I'm, like, shitting on her career by accident right now. Yeah, poor multimillionaire Kim Basinger. We haven't seen... The two of us haven't seen all, most of her movies. I feel so bad. I'll send her a card. Look, thinking about what I just said about Kim Basinger actually gives me, like, intense anxiety. Because there was this one time that I went to Comic-Con... Uh, and I met, oh god, I can't even think of his name, hold on, because the story doesn't work if I don't know his name. 
Does it does whatever you're about to say give you as much anxiety as hearing a fart joke? Probably more so. Alright. I know how serious your fart anxiety is, so. Okay. So I was at Comic Con this one time and I met Ian McNeese. Uh, he was in a movie with Fran Drescher and Timothy Dalton called The Beautician and the Beast. He was also uh, a guest star on Doctor Who. He played, um, fuck, Churchill. He played Churchill on Doctor Who in a couple episodes. So I get up to him, I'm all excited, and I wanted to tell him how much I loved him in The Beautician of the Beast. I said, I even own it on DVD, but I think I'm like the only person. Not thinking <laughs> that, like, I just meant because it was such an obscure movie, and he was like, no, I own a copy too, and I just, I wanted to, like, just unalive myself for the rest of the day after that, like, just crawl under a rock, because I had, like, embarrassed myself to the fullest. See, I went to Comic-Con a couple years ago, and we met Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Ooh. On purpose? Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't watch the show. I never care for the show, but the, the, the missus likes it. And we got up to him, and he signed the autograph, and I said, how does it feel knowing most people want you to die? Oh, God. Did security come get you? No. He laughed. He was like, ah, this just means I'm doing a good job. I mean, it's true. If you really hate somebody's character in a movie and they make you uncomfortable, then they're, you're probably they're doing a good job at the acting. Kind of like how I can't stand Jason Alexander. I, I yeah, Fair enough. Do you want to explain why you can't stand Jason Alexander? It's yes. Because you, hate, because you hate short, bald people. No, I actually quite have... I have friends who are short and bald. It's fine. I don't hate them. I don't want Chris Guarnero to walk away from this podcast feeling upset. Well, know? neither do I. I love Chris. But that's not the point of my story. The point of my story is that I can't stand Jason Alexander because when he played Stucky in Pretty Woman and he tries to rape Julia Roberts, it was very, very real feeling like he played the part a little too well for me and it gave me the heebie-jeebies and i don't even watch seinfeld because of it because the actor who was acting acted too well he did his Correct. job too well he did he did his job too well but i also am uncomfortable with those kind of scenes in movies anyway okay now we gotta circle back to the movie somehow because we have like completely gotten off track what movie were we talking about again the nice guys right right were you satisfied with the ending of the movie even though they kind of lost i was I'd, I'd like to see what what happens with their uh their agency where it goes from there do they fall back into their old patterns does uh holland like drink to the point where he can't work anymore does healy just beat people up does holly help them does she like go off to college and like leave them to fend for themselves see what's the most upsetting thing about this movie is that it underperformed at the box office but it's so like all the reviews of this movie are great and anyone i know who's watched it loves it but because it did it fared so not well at the box office and there were plans for a sequel, it was ultimately just scrapped. See, and that makes me sad, because I feel like it wasn't marketed well, because I never even heard about the movie until you told me something about it. It's true, and I, I honest to God, don't even remember 
the marketing for it, honestly. But I mean, I, they must have marketed because I knew it existed. At the time. I went to see it purposely. But you're also an avid moviegoer, so it, it it could be possible maybe that you saw it as a preview for another movie that you went to see. Whereas I didn't go to the movies quite so often, so I may not have saw it if it wasn't like on TV and I, I on think a bus also- stop. <laughs> I think it was also competing with a Captain America movie or some sort of Marvel oh, movie. Oh, well, of course. I mean... Like, that's like the, a death sentence. Yeah. Favorite character? Yeah. Hmm? Who's your favorite character in the movie? That's such a hard question because, like, I like so many characters in the movie. Like, I like... I, I, like, the, I like the heroes. I like the villains. Like, I like Keith David. I like the... Uh, uh, Kim Basinger's assistant. I don't remember her name. Uh, I would probably, I would probably go with Ryan Gosling's character, uh, Holland March, just because he's funny. Like he's like he's constantly. He seems like he doesn't know what's going on, but he kind of does. His he's very sarcastic. He's very quippy, and just he had really good chemistry with Russell Crowe. So I'm going to go with Holland March. Okay, I can see that. I think Holly was probably my favorite. Because she's just, she, you know, there's always that trope sometimes in movies where there's, like, the dad or the the main character who has this young, like, child or ingenue that, like, helps them get their shit together. But mm-hmm. I, I found that it worked well here because she didn't really help him get his shit together. She wanted to do it for him instead of, like, help him do it. Like, she just wanted to be helpful not that she needed to pick up the pieces for him, just that she wanted to be included in the shit show. Yeah, and, like, they didn't make her, like, a super genius or the one who's, like, solving all the mysteries. She's just there trying to be, uh, to help. Like, that's another good joke in the movie where uh, the two of the Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling get held at gunpoint in a hotel room towards the end of the movie by, uh, I forget her name, Kim Basinger's assistant. And Holly comes in with, like, a food tray pretending to be room service. And she throws old coffee on her and it yeah. does nothing. She goes, why did you just throw cold coffee on me? And she goes, I thought it would be hot. And Russell and Ryan Gosling goes, that's good, sweetie. I like where your head's at. <laughs> that, was, that was a great joke. I also liked... Um... But like, in a lesser movie, the coffee would have been hot. And it would have defeated her. And... She'd be like, ah, I knew it was hot all along. But, like, they don't make her a genius. They just make her, like, a 10 or 11-year-old who just wants to help. And right. That funnier, eh, it's a little more cute. It's cuter. It's cuter than, like, a kid being the know-it-all genius. Right, exactly. Uh, I also liked that she kind of grounds Healy. Like, I think that she she humanizes him a little more. Because I think that she she knows that he killed blue face but when he goes to kill john boy which by the way i love that his name is john boy and i love that the friend keeps thinking that he's john boy from the waltons and they're like no they got some new act (laughs) (laughs) and it just it made me laugh because like that was always a joke like with my mom and stuff we would say good night john boy good night sue ellen or whatever the other name you know like just joking around but um, I like that she looks at Healy and she's like, you wouldn't be a good person if you did that. She knew he did it, but she was trying to keep him from doing it in the future, in my opinion. And then yeah. I feel like she, he, he 
kind of is grounded in her innocence. Yeah, like she knows her her dad and his and and Russell Crowe are like in dirty business, and they deal with violence and drugs and murder, but she still wants them to be like good good people at the end of the day. Right, like just she just again just wants to be helpful. And that's another great line too. When Ryan got when uh, Russell Crowe doesn't kill John Boy, he says, "Congratulations, pal! You owe your life to an eleven-year-old girl." And just punches him in the face and knocks him out. Oh, that was pretty great. The whole movie you know funny? is just great. What's I, funny? I agree. You know what's funny is that I've seen this movie a hundred times, but when we watched it together the other day, it was actually the first time I've seen the beginning of the movie. The first like. Maybe like half hour of the movie since I saw it the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like any other time I see it on TV, it's already like in the middle of the movie. So I watch from the middle to the end. But I forgot like some key plot points. Like I, I knew what they were. Like I knew how the, how the movie went and what happens in the story and how and how it all resolves. But I, I forgot the beginning of the movie. Like who exactly hired Russell uh, Ryan Gosling or who hired Russell Crowe and. The characters, not the actors. Right. And I forgot the Yoo-Hoo joke, which is really funny. Oh, the Yoo-Hoo joke was great. And great product placement, too. Yeah, I bet Pepsi shelled out big bucks to get Yoo-Hoo. Wait, inserted. Pepsi is the owner of Yoo-Hoo? Yoo-Hoo's owned by Pepsi? Pepsi sells Yoo-Hoo. Oh, okay. Do they just distribute it, or is it like Yoo-Hoo is a subsidiary I- of Pepsi? You don't know. Kind of like how Dr. Pepper 7-Up is its own company, but it's distributed by different people in different areas. That might be. I think that's what it is. I think I think Yoo-Hoo. New York Yoo-Hoo is sold by Pepsi. Okay. Interesting. Pepsi. A delicious and refreshing beverage. Only if you're Anthony. Uh, I'm a Coca-Cola girl. Stop trying to piss off the sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. Not not with that attitude, we won't. won't. Here I am trying to get us big bucks and get us money and get us a sponsor and get us revenue. And here you are shooting me down in the middle of my pitch. Okay, because here's the thing. I saw what happened to Britney Spears when she drank a Coke. I do not want to be sponsored by Pepsi and never be able to drink Coca-Cola again. You mean you saw what happened to Britney Spears when she drank Pepsi? No, she was sponsored by Pepsi and she drank a Coke in a restaurant and and Pepsi fired her. Oh, right. Oh. I do have a question for you, though. Let me have you you hear your question. Okay. So, obviously, our whole premise of this uh, show is to talk about movies that one of us hasn't seen and also to to talk about pop culture references because we come from super different sides of pop culture and don't always get all of the references. Now, with all of the smart jokes that were made in the movie, there was one that was made that I really liked – and the whole rest of the movie, I even wrote it down to ask you if you know who Barishnikov is. Isn't that the, the little Russian spy from Rocky and Bullwinkle? No, that's Borat. Yeah, Borishnikov. Boris and Natasha were the two yeah, spies. Yeah, Boris, Boris Natasha. Oh my god. No, uh, so when Holland and Healy were dragging Sid's body to like dump it somewhere to get it 
so that it wasn't noticed anymore and he was drunk because he fell down the hill. So he says, you can't even walk straight. And he goes, oh, well, I'm sorry I'm not Perishnikov. And he goes, you can't even say Perishnikov. And I was like, I have to ask Anthony if he knows who that is. So you're watching the movie, you're laughing at the jokes, and in the back of your head you're thinking, ha, I bet Anthony doesn't know shit. Exactly. That was exactly my point. At that, Just for that joke, that was the one I was like, I definitely know he does not know who this is. So, uh, Barishnikov was a famous ballet dancer who also guest starred on the sixth season of Sex and the City. The final season of Sex and the City. All right. Thanks, Professor. <laughs> I don't know how to feel that you're watching the movie thinking Anthony probably doesn't know this. Anthony probably doesn't know that. Anthony doesn't get this joke. Look, it was one joke. I did not think that about the rest of the movie. But... It, it just it, it just tickled my funny bone because, I mean, why would you know a ballet dancer? And I know you've never watched Sex in the City, so I was just curious to see if, as, like, a film major, you knew anything about him. Nope. But I can tell you all about Boris Nikoff from Rocky Bullwinkle. That, that's something I have expertise in. His name is Boris, and her name is Natasha. Do you know their last names? I don't know if they have last names. They do. Don't look it up. I will look it up because I don't know. And that's the whole point. We're supposed to learn things. Boris. Boris Badenov. Boris Badenov and Natasha Fatale. You actually did know that. Wow. I learned something today. Told you I did. I don't know much, but I know my cartoons. That is true. Is Rocky and Bullwinkle Hanna Barbera? Hanna Barbera? Rocky and Bullwinkle is Jay Ward. Okay. Because I know you're very good. Like, whenever I have a Hanna-Barbera question, I know I always come to you first. It's true. No, Jay Ward created Rocky and Bullwinkle. He's from Canada. <gasps> I love Canadians. He's, al he's also the man that gave us Dudley Do-Right. Uh, oh, I do like Peabody. Dudley Do-Right. <gasps> uh, George of the Jungle. Peabody and Mr. Sherman? Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah, that. The dog and his boy. Yes, that is Jay Ward. Okay, well, that was actually, wasn't that part, like, they would cut those into Rocky yeah, and Bullwinkle? part of the rock. Fractured Fairy Tales. Fractured Fairy Tales, Aesop and Son. That'll be do right. Good stuff. Have you ever seen the 2000 live-action Rocky and Bullwinkle movie with Robert De Niro, Jason Alexander, and Rene Russo? You know what? I did. And that's actually a really happy memory for me. All right, then. Oh, so that movie, you're okay with Jason Alexander. Look, that was before I ever watched Pretty Woman with the understanding of what happened in that scene. So... So the, so the hardcore rape scene in the live-action Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, that just... That's fine. That, that just didn't right. happen. Sure it did, in the uncut version. Oh, Lord. Hold on, I'm trying to find our questions. Like, if you can ask us anything. I'm gonna cut this part. Oh, here it is. I got it. Listen. That was a very... What? It was a very fun movie. And I know you're making, you know, porn jokes as we were just talking about a movie that was about a porno. That wasn't really a porno, but maybe. But... A porno? Not a porno, but maybe. But maybe. <laughs> But maybe. 
But okay, so Rocky and Bullwinkle, the live action one with Robert De Niro, um, was a good memory for me because my grandpa loved Rocky and Bullwinkle. Loved it. Oh. Rocky and Bullwinkle and Pinky and the Brain were his two favorite cartoons, and he loved them to death. So when the movie came out, he took me and my mom, and we went to this this little rinky-dink theater not far from his house in upstate New York in the Catskills, and they had, like, milk crate seats, and it was, like, a dollar or two dollars to get into the movie, and we saw Rocky and Bullwinkle together. So I always remember that fondly when people bring up Rocky and Bullwinkle, because it makes me think of my grandpa, who passed away a few years ago. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah. What do you think about taking some fan mail? All right, let's dig into some fan mail. What do people want to know? People want to know. Chris Guarneri would like to know, what is the Krabby Patty secret formula? See, the Krabby Patty, it's weird that Krabby Patty secret formula is like a thing, like it's a big top... Uh, top secret thing in the world of Spongebob when it's literally just like a hamburger like you watch Spongebob make it it's a burger it's a patty with lettuce tomato uh, ketchup mustard and on on buns right but like the secret is like what's in the meat or what the meat is made out of it's not like how you put the hamburger together that's not what the secret formula is the secret formula is like the seasoning of the meat oh well that's whale meat no, it's plankton. It's not plankton. It's whale meat. It's plankton. It's even Why in the little... Why do you think you curl around? Oh. Think just for fun and games? But that's his daughter. Let's be real. Let's be, <laughs> bio Let's be biologically accurate here. Because SpongeBob was created by a marine biologist. Was it really? Oh, man. Yes, a marine he, biologist with a warped sense of humor. Yeah, that helped me out. Helped, uh, helped a lot of people out. But no, the, the Krabby Patty's not made of plankton. At the end of that episode, he Mr. Krabs says that's just that was just a decoy to scare plankton off temporarily. But was it really? Or did he just say that? You don't know. I don't think the the lore in Spongebob Squarepants is all that deep and, and mysterious and trying to trick the audience. But you want to know what the Krabby Patty secret formula is? I'll tell you what the Krabby Patty secret formula is. Okay. I'm going to tell you how to make a Krabby Patty. Okay, tell Person. me. Get in your car. Okay. You drive to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. You buy a Big Mac. You take the Big Mac. You drive to the beach. You walk down the sand with the Big Mac, you go to the water, and you soak the, the Big Mac in in the ocean water. In brine. Pretty much. That was the word that was the word award the other day. Then you take it out and then you eat it. That's crap bad. No thank you. You want he wanted to know and that that is the answer. I you are right. He did want to know. Uh, John Kabinsky would like to know how much wood would a woodchuck chuck? If a woodchuck could chuck wood. A woodchuck would chuck wood as much as he could if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Bitch. All right. Uh, Michelle Ladino would like to know why. Why? That's a, that's a question. Why? It lends itself to so many possibilities. More answers than, more questions than answers, honestly. Why are we here? 
Why does it matter? Does it matter? What is the point? Is there a point? Why is anything? Why why are us? Why here? Why I don't know. This is a podcast about movies. Were you trying to give me a fucking existential crisis? I'm bitch? always in an existential crisis. <laughs> Stop calling everybody I'm, bitches. <laughs> Rebecca Lambert would like to know, is a man indeed a walrus at heart? Uh, no, that is a question that has plagued mankind for centuries. Since man first crawled from, from the ooze. The primordial ooze? The primordial ooze. It is a question older than the Sphinx. As old as time itself. Is man indeed a walrus at heart? And the answer is yes. Oh my. It was a yes or no question, and the answer is yes. That Next. was terrifying. And then our last question for the day is, uh, Jiffy the Trucker would like to know how we first met. I've never met Jiffy the Trucker, so I can't answer that question. No, 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 how you and I first met. Oh, how did we first meet? Yes. It was a dark and stormy night that morning. Uh, it was January 3rd. First. No, two, no, not this story. We had met before that. 2011? January 1st, 2011. 6 a.m. <laughs> I worked at a supermarket that Jen also happened to work at. It is true. And I was a cashier. And Jen was like a... a, a Front-end assistant managed type person. A glorified cashier. Oh, thanks. So, so I came into work. I had an open availability like an idiot. And like an idiot, I saw that I had to be in at 6 a.m. on New Year's Day and stupidly agreed to do it. So I showed up. And I'm not a drinker. I didn't know I'm this not, at the time, to preface. I did not drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. And I didn't drink alcohol on New Year's Eve. I was also underage and not 21. And I showed up at work at 6 a.m. And Jen greeted me with a hello. And for whatever reason, I immediately started vomiting. <laughs> and I ran to the bathroom and vomited in the toilet. And then I went back and Jen said, you're drunk, go home. And I was like, I'm not drunk. I've never been drunk. I don't drink. And Jen was like, no, if you're hungover, go home. Like, there's no reason for you to be here. Very mean. It was very rude. Look, it was very judgy. I also had to be there at 6 a.m. And half of the staff had called out. And then Anthony shows up. And he was puking. But that is not how we met. I mean, we did meet at the store because we worked together. But we had already known each other for a little while before that point. I think that was just the first time that we ever actually, like, really, like interacted and I, I I've often apologized for how nasty I, I was to him that day because I really really thought that he was just an irresponsible teenager who got hung over and couldn't work the next day very judgy I'm very also judgy. not a morning person so I was cranky I had to be there at six too she was cranky she was out partying until 2 30 in the morning and she showed up to work you know actually you I'm know, pretty sure that I worked the night before <laughs> So did I, and I still showed up to work. Yeah, puking. Yeah, I don't know why. L listen, I was I was young. 
I, I don't know. I don't know why I was puking. You, you, listen, just because you were 37 and you didn't have the young. I'm not even 37 party, now. Please don't listen to him. The young party vibes that us us young folks had. It uh, doesn't mean you had to, to be so snippy to me. And I've often apologized for that. But afterwards, we actually became pretty fast friends. Um, Later in that same morning, a conversation broke up about a girl that worked there. And I chimed in and said, that girl's a bitch. And just like on the podcast today, you know, 10, 11 years after the fact, Jim was like, don't call her a bitch. I can't believe you. I don't even even before and here you are saying this girl's a bitch and I was like well that's because she's a bitch what's the problem isn't Anthony such a bright and cheery person I am I calls it like I sees it oh lord he bitch. calls it you can't keep saying bitch <laughs> why not alright so any final thoughts about the actual movie? What movie were we talking about again? The Nice Guys. Oh, yeah, right. I like the movie. I enjoy it. I wish they made more. I I, I want more. I don't want fucking three new Marvel movies every year. I want more movies with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe solving mysteries together. I want a Nice Guys too. I, I want a nice a sequel to The Nice Guys. I think I, I think I can agree with that. I really do think that the the movie deserves a sequel, and I I think we need to figure out how we can get on that. I think everybody should write into their local congressman, and uh, tweet at Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, and and try to see if we can get enough buzz generated to get a second movie made. Or or tweet at the director, uh, Shane Black. Shane Black. Okay. Yes. So we're we're starting the campaign now to to assault these people verbally through the Twitter in a nice way to, de- to demand a sequel to the nice guy. Hashtag nice guys too. Hashtag nice guys too. I think that is a good thing. I also uh, would like to add, don't do drugs, kids. They're bad for you. Uh. Be sure to speak with your therapist if you ever experience any uh, temporary or long-lasting bouts of uh, fart anxiety, like uh, Jen here. I think that drugs give me more anxiety than farts do, honestly. That's no good. How many drugs do you normally do? I don't do any drugs unless you, you know, you count caffeine. No, I was actually terrified to, to ever even, like, try marijuana because... Otherwise, a big lion in a black t-shirt was going to come attack me. Um, I'm sure you went through the D.A.R.E. program as well. There was the cop that would come in with, like, the the briefcase full of all of the drugs and be like, this is what MDMA looks like. Don't touch this or you will die or get arrested. Sounds like the coach from, the gym teacher from Mean Girl. It it really does. Like, you will get chlamydia and die. You, You will overdose and die. I do remember the D.A.R.E. program, but I also remember it in, like, elementary school. So I remember not knowing what drugs were, like, what they were. Like, don't do heroin. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's true. Yeah. Like, it was maybe, like, fourth or fifth grade when I had the D.A.R.E. program as well. So it was, like, really early before, like, I really knew anything about drugs other than 
maybe seeing uh, Kelly on 90210 snort coke with her boyfriend. I don't know nothing about that, but I remember I was a pretty stupid kid, so like, I'm sure the person doing dare was like, "Don't do crack," and I'd be like, "Yeah, you break your mom's back," and like, yeah, that sounds like something you would say. Or like, don't do coke, and I'd be like, "But we have coke at home, and I drink it with dinner. Like, what's the problem?" Oh my god! Or like, or like, kids, don't do heroin, and I'll be like, "I'll never do a girl that saves someone's life." Fine. Oh my god! But see, I also I was a, I was a stupid kid. I remember. I remember this is a, this is a hundred percent a true story. Okay, and I tell it to you. Yeah, this is definitely true. Okay, I remember being in fifth grade with 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 a girl. Her name was Alexa. She was my friend, and I remember she was in a really bad mood one day. And I kept asking her what the problem. Like, like she was being really snippy. I was like, "What's your problem?" And she was like, "I can't tell you." And I was like, "Why can't you tell me? Like, you can tell me. I'm your friend." She's like, "Anthony, do you know what a period is?" I was like, "Yeah, it comes at the end of a sentence." And then she started laughing. I was like, what's so funny? Oh, my God. I'm not that much smarter than that 20 years later, so. It, it's true. One day, Anthony asked me what I w what was wrong with me, uh, and I was like, menses. And he goes, oh, no, is that curable? <laughs> that is also a true story. I was concerned. I, I don't. I don't know things. But see, I was also terrified of drugs, not only because of the Dare program, but because I grew up with a, a an NYPD officer for a father. So like, I was terrified even like as I got older and knew what drugs were to even like try pot because I, I was just so like conscious that my parents would know even if I had like slept at a friend's house for like three days. I was just like, no, thank you, no, I don't want any because. Even if I showed up home, like, a week later, like, I felt like they would just see my face and they would just know that I had done drugs. So I just never did them. Which I'm guessing is a good thing now because I'm 33 and I look like a 13-year-old boy. So I think that uh, not doing drugs has, uh, along with a good skincare routine, has, has made me look very young for a very long time. I thought that's just because you were a lesbian. I mean... That is the age-old joke, you know, in question, 30-year-old lesbian or 13-year-old boy. But I also think it has a lot to do with genetics, because my grandfather was very young looking when he died. And also, like, my mom, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but if you, uh, I know you know my mom, but for somebody who has never met I my mom. Wait, what? I do not know how old your mom is. Right. But if somebody had never met my mom, and then I said, my mom is mm, years old. They would be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, no way. There's no way she's that old. Because she, she looks younger than than most people my age. See, you're purposely avoiding saying her age, but you're also heavily implying that she's elderly. I am not old. implying that she's elderly. Which, I'm just implying that she's older, definitely older than you would think when you saw her. She looks really great for the number that she is. Because well, there's a lot of people who are in their 30s who look way older than that number i mean you look not half bad for 49 so exactly that is exactly the truth yeah now i don't know maybe that's why everyone on on staten island looks terrible because of all the drugs there are a lot of drugs on staten island i got accused of being a drug dealer once wait 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 what <laughs> i got 
not really accused. No, like by the cops? Sound, no, because that makes it sound like I was in like some sort of trouble. No, I wasn't in trouble. Maybe metaphorically. But no. It was just another ode to how stupid I am. So uh I, I think I, if people didn't know you and I make music together, we play in a band. It's true, we do. It's true. And I played the keyboard, I played the piano. So many moons ago, before I had like an 88 key electronic uh, keyboard, by like almost like a real piano, I had like one of those rinky-dink little like beginner keyboards. And then when I was in high school, you know, my second or third year of high school. I suddenly feel very I, bad about my keyboard right now. You should. You have to take care of your keyboard. Anyway, so when I was in uh, you know, second or third year of high school, I got like one of the like an ADA key keyboard, and then I didn't need the the little rinky dink one anymore. So I posted on Facebook like, "Hey, I'm giving away a free keyboard I need to to a good home. Anyone want it?" Uh, this girl I knew who lived up the block from me was like, "Yeah, I'll take it." I was like, "All right, come you know come get it." She was like, "Well, I work till uh, like nine nine thirty. Can I meet you to pick it up?" So I lived on the same street as a Catholic high school. And the school had a tall metal fence surrounding it, tall black metal fence. So that this is summertime, mind you. This is summertime. So yeah, like nine o'clock that night. Even though even though it's summer, it's still it gets a little chilly out. So I put on my black hoodie, but I'm wearing my traditional black jeans. I take the keyboard, I walk up the street with it, I prop it up against the fence, and then I stand in front of the fence. Like in front of it, blocking the keyboard. And I'm standing there in the hoodie and just waiting. And these three kids on bikes are riding by and they're looking at me and they ride off. And I'm still standing and they look at me, they ride by again and they look at me. And then finally they ride up to me and I, I'm not prepared for this. And one of them goes, Yo, you holding? I said, No, I'm Anthony. Oh my God. <laughs> and he, goes, he goes, No, are you, are you carrying? I said, I'm not carrying anything. He's like, yo, let me, let me get a let me get a dime bag. And I'm I'm stupid, and I was like, oh what? He was like, dude, weed. And I'm like, oh nah, dude, I, I don't no, nah, that's not me. I, wrong guy here, wrong guy here, my friend. And he was like, no, nah. he's like, no, nah, stop fucking around with me, dude. Like like let's let's go, let's do this. So I'm so I go well. I'm I'm holding a special kind of product for a special for a certain customer tonight. Like I'm I'm only dealing with one customer tonight. I said it's it's a brand new strain called Rare Cuban Piano. And the the dude's like Rare Cuban Piano, huh? I was like, yeah, Rare Cuban Piano. He goes, all right, let me see it. I said, okay. So I stepped to the side and showed him the keyboard. <laughs> Three of them. Now now I don't think that far ahead about the consequences of my actions because rightfully and normally so that probably would have ended with me getting punched in the face. Oh my god. But luckily they laughed. They were like, yo, you're funny. And then they rode off. And then the person came and took the keyboard and I went home. And I later found out, again, because I'm stupid, because I eventually messaged this person like a month later. I was like, so did you learn any songs on the keyboard yet? And she was like, no, I sold it. I was like, you sold it? She's like, yeah, I need money. So I sold it. Like I sold it the very next day. Oh my god. This story had yeah. a... a that what that's a plot twist. And you know what she and you know what she used the money for from the piano? Drugs. Yeah. Oh my god. 
I actually don't know, but that was a pretty good punchline for the story. Anyway. <laughs> and that's 100% where I was going. Oh, my goodness. That, I don't think you've ever told me that story before. And I thought I knew all of your stories. I'm a man of mystery. Apparently so. I th I thought you knew that one. I thought I didn't know. We, I, I I didn't know you actually never heard that before, and I was telling it to you for the first time. Yeah, no, I I that was that is a story that I have never heard before. I really thought that I knew all of your stories, but now I know that you are secretly a, a drug dealer of rare Cuban pianos. It's true, and the fact that that didn't end with me getting shanked is like just another seriously, or like they didn't like knock your ass out and like check your pockets and then ride off on their bikes because that was where I was it's expecting true. the story to go. It's true. I would not have been so jovial about telling the story if it ended with me getting my ass kicked. But like, it's right. It should have. <laughs> I think like, that there's no, a lot of I, stories that should have ended with you getting your ass kicked, and you just luckily did not. <laughs> it's true. I've never been. Uh, uh, I've never been physically assaulted in like a. I mean, like, by friends, like fucking harassing me and whatnot for for kicks. You know, we fuck with each other. But I've never been like punched in the face even though i probably more than once asked for it <laughs> oh man all right so besides wanting a nice guys too do you have any final thoughts about the movie that you want to share i really should have sold that keyboard for money that is a great final thought but that is not a final thought about the movie I should have made a porno about the piano and then sold it for money. Okay. We'll go with that. Uh, I think that it is definitely worth a watch. If you have not seen it yet, you should go check out The Nice Guys. It is playing on Hulu right now. Uh, I for can't free. tell you how. Yes, for free as long as you have a Hulu subscription. For money. <laughs> I don't know how long it will be on there, but. That is where it is at the moment, so you should go check it out. Or uh, Don't do drugs. Don't pretend to be a drug dealer on the corner when you're really sell selling pianos. And uh, don't... Don't mouth off to drug dealers. Don't be afraid of your own farts. I mean, I think that's all that we can really say. But uh, I'm uh, Jen, and... That's Jen, and... For, I'm me. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Yes, for Christ's sake. We're Jen and Anthony, and we're your friendly neighborhood idiots, and we hope I you enjoyed this episode. And if you did listen all the way to the end of this rambly-ass episode, please text us, message us on one of our social medias. You can find us on Twitter at FNIPodOfficial. You can also find us on TikTok at uh, FNIPodcast. And then also on Facebook, Friendly Neighborhood Idiots. Uh, and it's you can... You can text us, message us. You can also send us your questions for next episode. But if you did listen all the way to the end of the episode, please text us or message us the word... Kiwi. Kiwi. There we go. Kiwi. The first five people. The first five people get 50 bucks from Jen. This is not true. You will not get 50 bucks, but we will appreciate that you listen till the end of the episode. And uh, we hope that you have a swell week and take care for now. And we'll send you pictures of our butt tattoos if you do. No, we will not. All right, well, that's it for us. I'm going to go try to get my money back from that zookeeper now. I'm going to go try and find you a therapist. It's illegal, Jen. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.